A memo to the shareholders, we recorded this episode seemingly forever ago, so if it seems a bit out of time in places, if Cass is talking about ACLs that have or have not been replaced, or what have you, that is why. Enjoy the episode. Welcome. To Arcade Audio. nerds it's shared history give me a break give me a break break me off a piece of that history Ooh, i will i'll i was gonna say a left side or a right side but that's twix we got we got some nummy little history snacks for us all and this little history snack right here is cast smaller i'm getting frisky and this little history snack over here (laughs) is your other host natalie younger we're two different people stop telling us we sound the same (laughs) turns out even folks who know us personally can't tell the difference between our sweet, sweet, smooth tenor voices. The results are in. Well, yeah, I was we're the say, same person. We are the same person. Um, but you know what? And I love it. And we are the same when we are different, which is why it's such a pleasure to remotely record with you, Natalie. But we're both snacks, and that's what's important. That's the only thing that matters. When I said I want to do a podcast, I was like, hmm, who's a snack that I can do a podcast with? Who's a little like tasty textbook snack? Except Natalie was the one that was like, Cass, you want to do a podcast? And I was like, nah, I'm not really in a podcast. And, and I was like, you, like, you want you want to do this. So I said, yes. Yes, this please. Is the only way we can be friends and hang out. Especially now that we're being kept apart by plague. <laughs> hey, real quick today, I want to shout out the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Cass, do you know who Marsha P. Johnson was? Man, I know who Marsha P. Johnson was. She was a LGBTQ trans rights leader at the Stonewall riots. She's an activist. She's a self-proclaimed drag queen. She's badass. And her institute protects and defends the human rights of Black trans people. If you want information about that and to give them some dollar dollar bills the website i'm double checking it right now so i don't say it wrong is m-a-r-s-h-a-p.org marsha p.org i'm glad i double checked it i thought it was something else do you know what the p stands for natalie oh i don't so the p stands for pay it no mind so marsha p johnson was I feel like there was something where she was at, like she was in a courtroom or she was doing, it was something like legal or like. We'll probably, we'll probably tell her story on the podcast at some point. Oh, I'm sure. She had to give her name for something official. And she's like, Marsha P. Johnson, the P stands for pay it no mind. And I was like, yes, please. What a great little like cherry of history to start our way down this history Sunday. A little, a little snack, if you will. Yeah, just a little snack. (laughs) If you want some other little tasty history snacks, you can support our Patreon at patreon.com slash arcade audio. That is our parent network's Patreon. Uh, we have some little tasty history snacks on there because we'll do some bonus mini-sodes. 
which we've got a few out right now, which are very exciting. We're trying to do at least one a month. And if we can get ahead of it, there will be more, I promise. But it's great. And you can get access to like exclusive merch if we ever drop that, which I'm sure we will because we cannot stop with the merch. You can find merch at arcadeaudio.net. You can do it. Go to merch on the website. I'm pretty sure it's forward slash merch. Uh, (laughs) I didn't mean to plug the merch, but here we are. I just, I love good tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a coffee mug and we've got some camper mug. We're going to, we have, yeah, there'll be a bunch of new stuff by the time this comes out too. So go check it out. Do it. Go check it. Check it out. Um, Cass, how are you today? I'm so good. I'm just so tired, you know? Well, it's because we record on Mondays, which, why do we do that to ourselves? I don't I'm know. I'm having a, a severe case of the Mondays, but you know what? I'm super excited because you were looking at the proud new owner of two brand new, fresh, spanking new ACLs. I thought you were going to say a car, and I was like, Cass, don't you not have a driver's license? <laughs> and also, um, why do you have two cars? Also, I have a learner's permit. Did okay, you know that's that? not a driver's license. I know. So I'm a 30-year-old woman with a learner's permit. I believe in you. Yes. No, but I mentioned my ACLs because I went to the doctor today. And while I have gotten my right knee surgery a month ago and my left knee surgery about three months ago now, I am completely out of braces. But I should am, you be? He said, work your way out of it. Okay. And I did that today. <laughs> I'm still a little wobbly. I To quote... A classic film, She's the Man. You're like Bambi on ice, boy. Mm. Just, you know, I'm just a fledgling little Bambi um, skittering around and trying not to break. Nothing, nothing <laughs> captures my heart and attention more than somebody who begins a sentence like they say in the great movie, She's the Man. <laughs> and then I'm like, what quote will it be? Please tell me. We're making Let's dumb faces at each other. We're also attempting to record um, this. I was going to suggest so that I we'll do. Probably put, this will probably be Patreon exclusive too, so you can see what we look first. like and that we're different people. <gasps> okay. uh, I we also have never did done not this before. Google and, um, pronunciations <laughs> at all. Forgetting that we're recording so get ready for like, this week's episode uh, of shared mispronunciations. It's it's okay because. I feel like maybe you can correct me because mine is a story of, if I'm not mistaken, your people. The Deutsch or the Irish? The latter. The Irish? Oh, I can't do Irish pronunciation at all. Mm. It's a weird language. I mean, okay. It's a, it's a story of the Celts. So yes, yes. Yeah. And I mean, I can do a shitty accent, but <laughs> we, that's we not can good all, either. We can all do a shitty accent. <laughs> uh, have you ever heard of Queen... Cartmandua. Cartmandua. Cartmandua? This is, I should have at least Googled this. How do you spell it? C A R T I M A N D U A. Cartmandua is how I'm going to decide that it is. I think that's right. She was a queen of the Brigant tribe, which were a Celtic people in the area of northern England. This is me. This is going to be me giving you geography that without looking at a map, I don't understand. So enjoy this auditory journey. Hold on. I love geography. To our fans abroad, who will be the only people who necessarily, because we do, we have a couple listeners in the UK who will know maybe where I'm talking about. They were in the area of Northern England centered on what is now Yorkshire. And they were territorially the biggest tribe in Britain, according to geographer Ptolemy in second century AD. AD is CE, right? I want to stop saying BC and CE. Yes. CE C- is the common era. Got it. 
So second century CE, the brigand territory extended to both seas, east and west, and reached as far north as Biren in Dumfrieshire and as far south as the River Trent in South Derbyshire. Derbyshire. Oh, oh yeah. Derbyshire. Derbyshire. I know because I watch Pride and Prejudice a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Derbyshire. Derbyshire. Well, right? they call it I don't Derby. know. I didn't look it up. I did 80% of the necessary research. <laughs> Solid B minus. <laughs> Still pass. Cardamandua was their queen and one that is often overlooked. So we're talking first century. Cardamandua was a queen from around 43 to 69 AD or CE. She she came to power around the time, I say 40, around that time, and they kind of credit 43 as the starting year because that was the year that the Romans started to invade that section of the mm-hmm. world. So, so way before Les Mis is what you're saying. Way, on a scale of one to Les Mis, we are nowhere near Les Mis. We're in the <laughs> negatives yeah. by a lot. We're like oh, negative okay. 1,400. Okay, now I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you now. Got it, got now it, I know got exactly it. where we're at. That's the timeline we need. <laughs> um, so she came to power around the time of the Roman invasion. Uh, she probably inherited her power because it doesn't seem that she obtained it via marriage. So um, two things. One, you go girl. And two... Sick burn on her husband, uh, Venusius. Fucking Venusius. Right? And so most of what we know about her came from Roman historian Tacitus. He wrote in his histories, his annals, I don't remember. I didn't write it down. And you know I can't handle the word annals. (laughs) Clearly I can't either. (laughs) Just a soft. (laughs) Uh, Tacitus wrote that she was a very strong and influential leader. She's also described as very loyal to Rome and, quote, as having defended your Roman arms. All that said, he didn't really actually paint her in a flattering light. Most of what he says about her is kind of negative, but he does consistently name her as a queen, which oh, he does. Oh, is this like, he's like negging her the whole time? She's like no, really I, strong. But I like mean, that's... he's, he okay, he's Roman and mm. appreciates her loyalty to Rome, but otherwise is kind of like eh about her mm. and like about her achievements and kind of what she like who she was and whatnot he just was like well whatever yeah. another thing he does that is actually very positive is that he con- consistently names her as a queen he calls her queen cardamandua which he does not do for the only other female british leader of the period who is the queen of the Boudicca celtic tribe I was just going to say, Boudicca is the only, Boudicca's the only Celtic, Celtic queen I've ever heard of. Yeah. Everyone knows, everyone knows that one. Nobody knows Cardamandua. Do you know why? Because her name's Boudicca, and it's fun to say. Is her name Boudicca, or is she, is that the tribe? Her name is Boudicca. Oh, queen okay. Boudicca. I mean, maybe the tribe, I don't know. I think she, her, her tribe had like an actual tribe name, and she was Queen Boudicca. Yeah. So at this time, Britain is made up of 33 tribal groupings each with its own individual kingdom. When Rome invaded in, I'm pretty sure, 43 CE, Roman general Publius Asterios, nope, Astio, Astio, nope, shit. (laughs) I got Publius right. (laughs) Astiorius, Astiorius, that's right. Scapula, I know that one. Um, He refer- he is leading the invasion. He refers to the Celts in his writings and whatnot as barbarians. 
And of course, the Romans believed in right by might. So they believed that lesser people should be subject to them or extinguished, exterminated, both. They would invade the Celtic territories. And if the leaders of these Celtic tribes did not basically pledge allegiance to the Roman Empire, they would murder the whole tribe and scorch the earth so that the area wasn't even habitable anymore. They were they were not good at taking no's. No one had ever told the Romans no. Wait, they would actually like make would... the land inhabitable? Mm-hmm. That's uninhabitable. That's, that's yes. aggressive. Right? So there were there were several tribes that were defiant. And as the Roman invasion is moving north through the territories, Cardamandu is like, uh and some Celtic aristocrats were pro-Rome, but mostly because they made deals with the Romans in order to help them retain their thrones. So Cardamandua is one of the leaders who did this. She may have been one of the 11, quote, kings that the Roman emperor Claudius, uh, his triumphal arch, and it says, like, all of the places he triumphed, and on it, it, it says that there were 11 kings, 11 Celtic kings that surrendered to Rome. How many rings were given to men in Lord of the Rings? What? Was it nine men? You know how they're like... Oh, the nine realms? The that nine, sounds right. Yeah, there's like three were given to the elves and oh, it was nine to men. Yeah. I don't know. I was just getting very Lord of the Rings vibes right there. I love a good Lord of the Rings vibe. Loader. So she obviously was like, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, we'll... we'll be with Rome. Is she a Minnesota mom? Yeah, yeah. sure, okay. Yeah, sure, okay. Uh, <laughs> please don't kill my people. And I got a hot dish for you when you're done. I, I got a hot dish and please no murder. And uh, and take your shoes off inside. Take your shoes off inside and I will provide some, some taxes and some soldiers <laughs> and some slaves. <laughs> Just please take your shoes off. So that was- For the love so of she, the gods. For the love of the gods. <laughs> she- Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) So her kingdom became a client kingdom of Rome, which means that they were controlled by Rome, but by diplomacy, not by war. So they technically continued to govern themselves, and they were left to do so, so long as Minnesota and Cartamandua said they paid tribute to the Romans, provided recruits for the army, and uh, had like a steady stream of slaves available. So that keeps her sitting pretty and lets her hold her throne and protects her people. Mm. And then she comes into even more wealth in 51 CE after the British king Caraticus sought sanctuary with her and her tribe. And so King Caraticus was the leader of a tribe that is going to be very difficult for me to pronounce. The Castel... Nope, Castavallani, Castavallani tribe. And he was the leader of the resistance against the Romans. So they fought like guerrilla warfare techniques. The war was mostly in what is Wales. And he was finally defeated by our buddy, uh, Osterius Scapula. It got closer that We'll time. call him Scappy. It doesn't help that also in my notes, I spell it differently every time. <laughs> There's just extra syllables and vowels. <laughs> so, in, so Caraticus is like, Cardamandua, help me out, hide me, let me take refuge here, protect me. And she put him in chains and handed him over to the Romans. Oh, shit. And they were like, okay, have some more monies. They're like, we might get rain. 
They also didn't kill him. They also pardoned him, but it was the Romans or the Romans. The Romans ended up not uh, moitering him, which is strange for them, right? It's like kind of their whole thing. (laughs) Hey, Cass. Yes, Nat. Would you say you wear your love of Iowa on your sleeve? You know what? I I would actually. Is it because you regularly shop at Raygun? Oh, you mean the greatest store in the universe? The most important clothing store the earth has ever seen since the early Mesozoic era? The one that started in Iowa and now has stores throughout the Midwest? Mm Mm-hmm. That's the one. Yeah, I do own a lot of Raygun products, specifically ones that brag about Iowa. So yeah, I guess I literally wear my love of Iowa on my sleeve. Cool. Just checking. Did you know that this podcast is sponsored by Raygun and that Raygun has stores in Des Moines, Chicago, Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, Kansas City, Omaha, or you can shop online at raygunsite.com? Yes. Yes, I know all of that. Of course you do. Use promo code SHARE-YOU-LATER to save on your next order. You don't need to be obsessed with Iowa to shop there and enjoy their stuff. But it never hurts. <sighs> That's raygunsite.com. Promo code SHARE-YOU-LATER. But if if that was a test of her loyalty, she passed with flying Mm. colors. The Romans loved her. The Celts, maybe not so much. I don't know. Yeah. But the Celts loved her husband, Venusius, who we know apparently wasn't a king or whatever when she married him, since I had that slight in my notes before. (laughs) So the Celts loved her husband, Venusius. But in 57 CE, Cardamandua divorces venusius what want her some juicy juicy first century gossip give me some of that celt goss some celtic tea if you will <laughs> she divorces him in favor of his armor bearer so <gasps> a soldier Philocatus, a member of the servant class what <laughs> That's some Downton Abbey bullshit right there. Like upstairs, Mm. downstairs. Oh my gosh. I love it. According to Roman historian Tacitus, quote, the royal house was immediately shaken by this disgraceful act, (gasps) end quote. And many aristocrats would not accept a former servant as their king. Well, king consort. Well, because she's still running the show. Yes. King in name only. King in name alone. Yes. Got it. She also took Venusius's relatives hostage, I think around the divorce as like a si- as like a showing of like, hey, don't try to stage a coup or murder me. That's weird. Kind of like alimony. <laughs> as alimony. I'm divorcing you. I'm kidnapping your family. We are done. We're done. Um, no, but it's it brings me back to uh, season two, Rena Rena Valona, uh, yeah. the Mad, Mad, Mad Queen, Queen of Madagascar. You know, the tradition of you marry someone, you kill all their family. Yeah. You have, you, you have too many, you have too many cousins who could make a claim to the throne. You kill your whole family. Yeah. You know, anything to keep a coup at bay. Trust me. I get it. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Tacitus refers to her kidnapping Venusius's relatives as clever stratagems, which. Clever is, girl. Mm-hmm. A lover scorned. Venusius is like, um. I'm sorry, my armor bearer? Why not just run off with the pool boy? What? <laughs> he uses this betrayal and the general kind of anti-Cardamandua, but after this, um, but also the general anti-Roman sentiment among the Celts 
to incite a rebellion against the queen. So kidnapping his family didn't stop him from doing the coup. Okay, bro, just like be cool. <laughs> yeah, just like do the coup. Just like I all I did was divorce you, cheat on you with your armor bearer, kidnap your entire family. Like, don't go tell Rome on me. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He's 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 like coo 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 coo. Coo coo coo. Coo coo coo. Coo coo Did we just say that at the same time? We're the worst humans. I love us so much. So he incites a rebellion against the queen. He gathers followers. A lot. He forms alliances with other tribes. He outlasts. I couldn't remember what the what the uh, tagline first survivor was in the moment. Uh, outwit, out wow. something, outlast. Anyway, so they set out to invade Brigantia, or Brigant region. Mm. The Romans are like, nah, uh, that's our girl. And they sent tr- troops to defend Cardamandua, and they were evenly matched until Cassius, 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 uh, Nasica arrived with the Ninth Legion, Hispania, and squashed the rebellion. So. Sorry, Venusius, you got told. But during all this, Cardamandua probably would have been captured by rebels and overthrown. Like, without mm-hmm. the Romans, she would she not have staved off this rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't kill Venusius, and he attacks again. So, fool me once. Why didn't they kill Venusius? I don't know. Like, they didn't get him, or they're just like, man, you can go off. I There's not a lot of source. Like, <laughs> well, there are why many do you sources, not know this, Natalie? But they didn't, yeah. Let me, Your buddy let me, Check my, you. Let me check my journals. Um, <laughs> the annals. The annals. <laughs> so they didn't kill Venusius. He attacks Brigantia again 10 plus years later. It's 69 <laughs> <laughs> CE. After- <laughs> we are the worst. Yep. After the death of Nero. Uh, so there's great political instability in Rome. Great so fiddle songs. The killer fiddle songs. <laughs> Fire fiddle tracks. This time, Rome is a little preoccupied with their political instability. They kind of need to stay home and, like, take care of business at home. And so they are like, oops, we can't come help. Uh, they don't send that much help. They send a little bit of help. Cardamandua has to abandon her kingdom. She abandons the region. She flees to the new Roman fort at Diva, which is, I think, present-day Chester is what I... Ah, yes. Chester. Yes. yes. Leaving her kingdom of Brigantia to Venutius, oh, no. who ruled until the Romans ousted him. And then what happened after that is unknown. But I ask you, Cardamandua, peacemaker? Puppet? Is she a Roman puppet or is she a peacemaker defending her tribe? I think, I don't know. That's tricky. Everyone is, when we look back on history, we love an underdog and we love an underdog that stands up to Goliath. And I feel like anyone teaming up with Rome is people are automatically like, oh, you, you know, meh, 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 meh. But also she kept her people alive and she was... Uh, a woman doing it for herself and her people. I got to give any any lady in power credit. To- she kept her kingdom free from Roman rule. She honestly, I think, I think could be considered a peacemaker. Like yeah. if you, you're kind of assuming, you're making some assumptions that she yeah. saw the Roman invasion coming from the South, was like, uh, oh no. Mm. If I say no, all my people do a big die. 
Yeah. And all my land do a big die. If I say yes, my people might kind of be mad about it, but is mad better than dead? You know, yeah, that's a tough argument. Also, it's interesting because if if Cartamandua were a man, I feel like immediately people would be like, oh, you sold out. You, you know, became, you know, you became Rome's puppet. But because it's a woman, people do that like, or was she smart? Well, also, uh, just because because you mentioned gender. Not to make it about gender, but because we, it about well, gender. What, what is one of the impacts of Cardamandua and what we know about her in general is the fact that just the cultural, oh, aha, information that the Celts had. They did accept female leaders during this yeah. time, at least oh, occasionally. Yeah. We only know about really two of them, but mm-hmm. that, that Celtic culture accepting yeah. female rulers is a it was like oh what a nice little thing to know mm-hmm. um, there were excavations uh throughout like these old territories i'm sure there still are but in the 1980s they excavated what they believe was likely her capital and main settlement mm-hmm. so it's uh at it said it's at stanwick iron age fort which is four miles north of richmond in yorkshire Oh, interesting. So, or eight miles. Did I say four miles? It's eight miles. Four. I'm a liar. I'm a okay, liar. but how many kilometers is that, though? I'm looking it up. <laughs> I think it's interesting um, that we have the talk of uh, puppet or peacemaker, because history is just storytelling. Oh, sorry, Natalie, what do you have for me? 12.87 kilometers. Oh, thank you. Now that makes much more sense to You me. know, that popular Eminem film, 12.87 kilometers. <laughs> Just so catchy. Lots, Just, lots to rhyme with there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but history is storytelling, and good storytelling is is engaging and, I don't know, keeps you on the edge of your seats. And I think when it comes to war and battles and stuff like that, it's so fun to be like, you know, to, to tell the story well. If this was the, the underdog, and then they won it. And then it's like, well, what was... Like, like, okay, stay with me here. I'm, I'm strapped in. My arms and feet are inside the vehicle. Awesome. Keep them there until you see the light from the captain. So like Star Wars, right? I saw this breakdown a while ago talking about how the rebels are actually like the bad guys or whatever. And I don't, I don't remember what all it was, but they're like, Mm. these people are the empire is trying to make a peace treaty and all this stuff and like made a very compelling argument, but it's so much more fun. And it, it might be completely wrong, but it for the first time made me think of like, oh, were we just hearing like. The rebels side of the story. And it was told very well. Yeah. And yeah. And I think looking back on history, you look at some of like the best stories and the best like, oh, look at this great victory and this great, you know, people doing all these cool things and whatnot. It's like, well, who did they have to screw over to do that? Or what were the results? Like, cool. It was great for them. Who did it suck for? Because if someone wins, it means someone's lost and... They probably weren't super nice to the people they beat, even though they were the underdog and whatnot. Because this isn't like a, a heartwarming high school basketball film. This is, you know, cool, the underdog no, won, but now they're going to kill all the upper dogs, over dogs. We established in season one that the only high school feel-good football team is America. U.S. history is... Yes. They are the underdog 
in every high school football, basketball, hockey movie. So it can't be this part of history. No. Also, just because you mentioned Star Wars, I want you to see my shirt. I'm wearing an Empire Strikes Back t-shirt right now. Yeah. Let it be known. Oh, I also saw something that said, like, why every single Star Wars movie is named incorrectly. Oh, I saw that and it was very enjoyable. It's like, um, what is it? Return of the Jedi should be the last Skywalker or something. And I was like, oh, my God. That's why it's always so difficult for me to be like, wait, which movie was that one? Because the title never matches up to what's going on in the movie. It doesn't. In fact, it matches up with what's going on in a different movie. Which is, thank you. Yes. I'm glad we're in agreement, Natalie. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I learned about Cardamon Dua. I'm, I was happy to teach it. I felt like I hadn't done a, a badass babe in a minute. So Yeah. Well, we love a badass babe. We love a badass Celtic babe. I'm not going to lie. The entire time you were talking, I had this theme song from Boondock Saints just playing over and over in my head. Isn't that just what plays in... Never mind. That's not what plays in your head all the time. Less the Mohicans is what plays in your head all the time. Na, 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 na. What's so I great? I pulled away from the, from the mic and tried to... But what's great is that when you did that, for some reason, my headphones or your, like, onboard mic, like, shorted it out for a second. And so the first note, half of it was missing anyway. It was like your computer was like, oh, God, no, not again. (laughs) Stop it, please. Thank you for knowing that. Thank you for knowing it was Promontory, which is the name of the track that is the theme for Last Mohicans. Man, I need to watch that movie. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. That's a bummer. Hey, Nat, what you been up to during the pandemic? Oh, God. Eating, mostly. Oh, like cooking and eating homemade meals and stuff? <laughs> no, like ordering delicious sweet treats and cakes from ECBG Cake Studio. They make specialty cakes for all occasions. They make wedding cakes, they do custom cookies, they have all sorts of sweet treats you can order and pick up. Don't they also do online baking classes? They do. So I guess I could get more hands-on with my baked good habit. While Natalie stops salivating, you should go visit at ECBG underscore studio on Instagram and their website, ecbgstudio.com. Now that we're back, it's not about the Mohicans. It's not about them. But now that we are back in America. What? Can I talk about my little history snack? Please do. And you know what? I didn't need to Google any pronunciation because it's all very John Smith. For real, though. Not so much John Smith, but I'm going to tell you about Nat Love. Get out of here. Uh, I what do won't. you mean? You're saying, is, are you just going to talk about the, the trend of loving me? Yeah, so this is just me where I gush about Natalie for 20 minutes. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, my notes are, and my notes are gone. So I've got nothing. So I'll talk what? about Nat Love. <laughs> um, you have more to say. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I don't I don't have time. You know, we got to keep A bonus this... episode. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Friends, go to our Patreon and you'll get mini-sodes of Natalie and I just gushing at each just other. Just complimenting each other. Um, only Natalie and I will be watching them, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> On um, sad, sad days. <laughs> Nat Love was one of the first and most famous black cowboys. Ooh. Ooh. I've been wanting to do uh, black cowboys as a topic for a while. And I feel like I do a lot of like 
umbrella stories or whatever. And so I wanted to narrow in on one person in particular. Nat Love was born in 1854 and he's born in Davidson County, Tennessee. He was a slave. His father was um, a slave foreman. His mother managed the kitchen. He had an older sister, Sally, older brother, Jordan. They lived on this farm during the, so the, like the origin of the quote unquote black cowboy in the expansion out west, like Texas was a territory at the time of the of the Civil War. And so a lot of people started moving west when it was still the Spanish and then Mexican territories. They started farming, they started cattle herding and ranching and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of Texans still joined in the Civil War. So when they, the slave owners left to go fight, they needed people to take care and, and run the, the cattle herds and everything. So... We kind of get the story of slavery and the Civil War in terms of the American South, you know? Mm-hmm. They're farmers. All of the fighting is kind of in the area that they're working. Well, you move further out west, yes, they were planting cotton and whatnot, but they're cattle ranching. So a lot of these slaves were farmers, but they also could herd cattle and everything. When the slave uh, owners went over to fight, they were herding cattle and they were doing all the things that all the the cowpokes and everything were doing. And then when the Civil War ended in 1865, because as we all know, the Emancipation Proclamation was issued in 1863. And that news didn't make it to Texas until 1865. That's why we celebrate Juneteenth, June 19th, 1865 which is when freed slaves in Texas first found out that they were free two years too late. So Nat Love was a slave on this farm. He was a farmer. He had a, like a penchant for breaking horses, which means taking a wild horse and breaking it to train it. I read Black Beauty. (laughs) We, oh oh my God, that book is so sad. I like, wasn't like a horse girl, but like, I was like, oh, horses. And so I read the book because everyone... Just knew, like, it's a catch-on. Ooh, Black Beauty. It's a book about horses. I was a horse girl, but I was like, ooh, horses. I liked them. I loved, I was obsessed with cowboys growing up. Oklahoma was my favorite movie. I wanted to be curly. All the things. Um, love a good hat. Love a hat. Love a love chap. Love a hat moment. Love a chap moment. <laughs> but damn, I was not expecting all, you know, the animal abuse. Because, you know, it's, it's billed as a children's story. So that was rough. Uh, But Nat Love, he was known for like being great at breaking horses. And so he had entered this raffle or something and he won a horse in the raffle. It was Um, a ranch raffle. A ranch raffle. Previously to that, actually. So so the war ended. The slaves were freed. His father, Samson Love, stayed on to work as a sharecropper at, uh, I believe his name was Robert Love, who was the owner of the... Good old Bobby Love. Bobby Love was the slave owner of this um, plantation. Yeah, not so good old. But Samson stayed on. He had 20 acres of his own that he was trying to farm. He died. They said he died after the second planting, which I don't know if that means like two years in or yeah either way he didn't make it very long i don't know that they got to keep the farm because it said that nap picked up a job farming somewhere else it was also illegal for slaves to learn to read and write at the time but Mm. samson love taught his dad taught him how to read and write and it said that he loved reading he loved writing and he actually ended up writing his own autobiography which you can get on Amazon. I'll look up the title in a sec. I forgot what it was, but I really want to read it now. And yeah. some snippets from the like articles I've pulled up, like he's he's kind of got like a 
a does bit of write, a does he write with a twang he writes with like he's a little sassy like i like okay. it but so his father died he tried um picking up work at some some farms or whatever to make ends meet he won this raffle where he won he won a horse he sold it back to the owner for fifty dollars he gave twenty five dollars to his mom he took the other half and at age 15 he went off to dodge city kansas Wait, now, what year are we? What year are we in? I want to look at the conversion. So he was born in 1854, and he's 15 or 16 at this time. So math, that's math. Seven, okay, so it's... 70? Hmm? 18. What, what are you converting? The dollars to today's. Oh, I was like, I thought you were doing like years for, you know, overseas people. I was like, they all work the same, pretty much. Years. Those yeah. translate pretty well. Years... Yeah, what year was this in <laughs> For American our friends years? abroad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I feel like American years are completely different than everyone else. That is the equivalent purchasing power roughly to today's U.S. dollars, uh, about $988. Yeah, so that was a, it was a good chunk of money. And he was able to give his mom that money. And then he went off to Dodge. And he was only 15 at this time. So he went off to Dodge City, Kansas, which is known as, quote, a wicked little town. So this was the, like, if you're thinking in your mind hole of this most stereotypical, like, Western movie saloon town. You don't even have to paint a picture for me. Can I you hear watched, the banjo in your head? I can hear the player piano <laughs> and the banjo and the washboard. I just finished watching season one of Westworld. I was just going to say, it's Westworld. Because in... in Illinois years right now. It's 2016. I don't right. know if you knew that. That's how the conversion is working. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except, uh, spoiler alert, no robots. Um, oh. In, uh, that you know of. In Dodge City at this time that I know of. Yes, yes. So he goes to Dodge City, Kansas. He finds work as a cowboy with cattle drivers. They're from the Texas Panhandle. He be- He just kind of like took to this. He became this cowboy savant. He trained himself to become this like expert marksman. He was an excellent cowboy. He did rodeos. He could do all of the tricks, all of the things. He fought cattle rustlers, which is what they called cattle raiders. He was sleeping under the stars and everything. So would you say he was not a one trick pony? He was, if, if, here's how many tricks his pony had. A lot of them. He had a lot of, okay. he had a, he had a lot of tricks. <laughs> he ended up joining this, um, the Texas Duval Ranch was kind of this big ranch in Texas and they had like a lot of workers and whatnot. He met up with them in Dodge City and he started um, like riding with them and joining them. He asked them for a job and they asked him if he could break this horse. It was the wildest horse they had and Nat later said that it was the toughest ride he ever had. He got a job with Duval Ranch for $30 a month. So you just did the breakdown of $50, fi- $50 for the raffle. He's making $30 a month. He, so for what we're probably, that's probably, it was $9.88 for $50. He's making like five, $550 a month. Mm-hmm. He quickly moved up in the ranks of the Duval outfit. He became like the buyer and the chief brand reader. He was like doing all the money. They said like at a certain time, like he would be having like $1,000 on him at a time. Like he's kind of like their banker. And so he was sent to Mexico to like do dealings for them. He learned to speak fluent Spanish. 
And he, so he went on all these different trails, all of these different rides. There's a lot of like instances of, they say like quote unquote Indian battles. Like he ran into a lot of Native American tribes. He was getting a lot of fights and whatnot. It said he had 14 bullets in him. Like he's been shot 14 times. And he claimed the name, or he was referred to as Red River Dick or Deadwood Dick. Old Deadwood Dick. Old Deadwood Dick. There was this famous dime novel series at the time called Deadwood Dick. And it was so popular that it was just, it was like calling someone John Wayne for being very cowboy-like. It was just like a catch-all name. So people called him Deadwood Dick because he, there's a story of him doing like a six-day cattle ride and he ends in, yeah, so he ended up in Deadwood, South Dakota after a six-day ride and it was on July 4th. And he entered a, a rodeo that day. There were like nine different events. Oh, please tell me he like swept. He swept it. He won all nine events. All nine? Roping, bridling, saddling, shooting. He won all of them. There was a $200 prize back to money conversions. Like this insane prize. Yeah. He won all of them. So they started referring to him as Deadwood Dick. He worked as a cowboy for 15 years. Then in 1889, he decided to settle down and got married. The 1850s, 60s, 70s. This was the kind of height of the cowboy. Barbed wire had not been invented. Cattle were roaming free. Like there was no way to really keep them penned and and still allow them to graze. Like they need these huge plots of land so -hmm. that they can roam and graze. And so, and, then, not, and so the grass can regrow between, yeah. Yeah, and you see like, I mean, you, you see old movies and whatnot. They've got cattle pens and whatnot, but they would really only use those when they were branding them. You know, mm-hmm. they'd herd them into that. But other than that, they were just kind of roaming the land free, which is why they needed cowboys because they would herd them to different grazing spots. Or if they were selling the cattle, they needed to transport the cattle by herding. Like that's, I feel like a lot of people don't know what cowboys did except like ride around on horses and there's cows by them they were essentially shepherds but for big old dumb cows and they did it on horses over vast expanses of land like the entire american west was just you were going around that whole area so barbed wire had not been invented a lot of the territory the states that we know now were just territories Mm -hmm. there was nothing it was literally wild wild west so Nat, towards like the 1880s, 1890, whatever, there were a lot of innovations made, barbed wire, a lot of trains, roads, all this stuff. It was taking this huge, expansive, infinite chunk of land that they got to roam and, and live free and wild. And it was making it smaller. And there were more rules. And it was, he said it was less wild. And he didn't like the state of things. So as the West became tamed. He was like, meh, I don't want to do this anymore. Dick, he likes a wild. Dead (laughs) Okay, so now I get to talk about my love of Chicago, right? I guess fair is fair. More specifically, I want to talk about my love of Chicago history and architecture, which I share with our sponsor, Cape Horn Illustration. You know their work isn't all Chicago-centric, right? Yeah, but the pieces I own are. 
Fair. Cape Horn Illustration is a Chicago-based art studio with a love of architecture in the city. Their work features classic home illustrations, badass ceramics, and so much more. They even take commissions. Check them out at capehorn-illustration.com. Use promo code SHAREDCAPE for 10% off. So in 1889, he settled down. He got married. Um, He took a job in Denver as a Pullman porter, which was... You would basically work on like sleeping cars and trains. Mm-hmm. You're you're a porter, a porter, and a Pullman carriage, and a Pullman carriage. Yes, exactly. Um, so we worked on the trains for a while. He ended up se- settling down in I California. Like how he is doesn't he's like this isn't wild enough for me anymore. So I'm gonna just make a hard left. Yeah, to like ba- way left, like not city life, but like yeah. I'm gonna go from home on the range in it to. Riding on a steam engine, yes, all day, every day, and married. Well, like, I'm and, gonna settle down. Yeah, and there's a picture of him which we'll put up on the on the Instagram. It's just the most badass picture. Like he's got his dreads out under his cowboy hat. He's wearing this cool like red shirt. He's got his chaps and his cowboy vest on. He's got his foot like up on a saddle with his like his rifle. He just looks like the most badass cowboy ever. And then you see pictures of the typical like Pullman porters and it's, you look like a bellhop. You are in yeah. a like tight buttoned up suit, very well jacket, groomed. the little, like, yeah, he, he went hard, hard left there. Well, um, he was like, I, I'm born to be wild, but there's nothing wild left. So, so give up. <laughs> no. Um, it was interesting cause I started, um, my research with kind of broad, like the history of black cowboys and everything. And a lot of stuff talked about how post-Civil War, post-slavery, there were very few jobs for Black men. You could be, you know, you could continue working on the farm or you could be, and it literally said like you could be a a Pullman porter or you could be a bellhop. Like very subservient, very Mm -hmm. class distinction and clearly a lot of racism going on. You're not going to be treated with a lot of respect. And Nat Love writes in his autobiography a lot about the level of equality you could you could have in the quality of life because of that as a cowboy. He says at one point, if there's a stampede or or Indians attacking, he uses the term Indians, you don't have time to look around to see who's black and who's white. Yeah. So it was it was very treacherous being out on, you know, in the open west, being a cowboy. You've got vast expanses of terrain with maybe no water you're sleeping under the stars you are completely beholden to the elements rattlesnakes you could be there could be stampedes you could be injured and they they usually ha- would have like a like a, a chuck wagon a food wagon with like a cook and everything but like cool so i'm either hanging out in the shitty wagon with a cook or i'm thrown over my horse if i'm injured until i go however many hundreds of miles to find someone to save me like it was a very difficult lifestyle and he talks a lot about the camaraderie and how cowboys are the first person to offer up their last rations and to help their their fellow cowboys like you're living a hard life and you're also going to sacrifice what little yeah. you have to help the guy next to you because he's going to save your ass at some point. We need a good guy cowboy meme. Yes. Instead of good guy Greg. Wait, what's good, good guy Greg? Good guy Greg. It's a meme. It's fine. Oh. I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> the concept of like, like clearly a 
black cowboys, African-American cowboys have been around since the beginning of cowboys. There's a, an amazing rich history about black rodeo and how they were not allowed to have their own rodeos with, or they were not allowed to do be in rodeos with white people. So they had to have their own. There's this rich history of African-Americans in the American West and that is just not told. And then we think if you do hear about it, like maybe that just went away, but it's still very prevalent. In Chicago, downtown Chicago, he oh, like yeah, yeah. he rides around on on his horse and everything and full cowboy get up like yeah. down Michigan Avenue in the Black Lives Matter march Marches. and the in the yeah. protests, you know, following murder of George Floyd and everything. In Compton, I believe, there was a crew of of black cowboys with there was probably 50, 60 of them on their horses and there's a picture of a trailer and on, on the trailer, there was a sign that said, racism ain't cowboy. So I'm just saying anything that's not cool is, it's not cowboy. I love it. Um, racism ain't cowboy. Racism ain't cowboy. But so, and then, so he wrote his own autobiography. It's called The Life and Adventures of Nat Love, better known in the cattle country as Deadwood Dick. Um, a very long title, but. A very long title just to be like, better known as, especially for an autobiography, to be yeah. like, you may have heard of me. As Deadwood Dick. <laughs> Ever heard of me? Ever heard of me? It's it's kind of a like sensational tale. And he's like, everything in this is true. Like he says that specifically. He just lived the most like cliche quintessential cowboy life. I just, I was obsessed with cowboys growing up. I still want to be a cowboy. I think it's so cool. And so I love hearing about, I mean, all of, of, the American, you know, wild, wild west is it's all folklore. It's all tall yeah. tales. It's I mean, all that's... John Wayne and whatnot. It's it's he's telling his own autobiography, but he's all he's building it up. And then also hearing this kind of like these folk tales about uh, black cowboys that we don't even know about. And it's it almost seems like a folk tale in and of itself. It's just so quintessentially American. Yeah. Um. The the South Side Cowboy that you're talking about. Yes goes by dreadhead cowboy yeah it's his name is adam hollingsworth he was doing it a lot during the larger lockdown mm-hmm. his horse's name is prince I'm looking it's always right important to know what the horse's name mm-hmm. is he owned like he owned a horse and he just he learned to ride from his uncle was like this is really cool more kids in in underprivileged neighborhoods like mm-hmm. never get to see a horse and so he will take his horse into the city and drive around ride around yeah. on it show off his horsies i love it what you're saying about the like folklore of the old west though is so listeners if you don't know what i do when i am not mispronouncing names to you i co-run an animation studio and our animation studio is called the banditry co and part of our branding is we talk about how bandits and a lot of stuff in our office. We have a lot of stuff from like like Old West, like books and stuff. But bandits and cowboys and, and the Old West and all that, that mythos is that. It is like it has become mythos. It is folklore now. It is those characters that we read about growing up or that even ones that historically happened like Nat Love or jesse james are myth makers they're they are excellent storytellers so it would make sense that 
because they are such a great story. I don't know. I guess it would make sense that Nat Love wrote his own autobiography. Yeah. Because that's Which our is... whole thing with the company is we're like, bandits are badass. Yeah. And, and like, bandits and cowboys aren't the same. I know. Please don't at me. But they have that reputation of being kind of like the but gunslinger. That the, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That era in general is rich with that. I mean, that's literally why West, that, like, that is what the Western expansion was. Yeah. Was seeking your own story, seeking kind of becoming your own. That's what America is. And, like, yeah. like, people coming to the new, quote unquote, new world when it was just being colonized, like, they were selling the mythos. Like, in America, you can have this, you can be free. As as they're trying to, you know, push everyone further out west, anytime, you know, America's trying to expand anything new, it's like, start your own story. And then, you know, Facebook, MySpace, have your own space, you have your own whatever. Like, yeah. everything is always selling, like, you know... The American dream of the mythos and everything behind it paved with gold and making everything sparkle. That, friends, it's a myth. Yes. But Nat Love (laughs) was real. Was a real man. Speaking of myth and reality, uh, there is a 1996 movie called The Cherokee Kid with Sinbad, and uh, our love of our lives, Gregory Hines, was in it. (gasps) And Ernie Hudson plays Nat Love, a.k.a. Deadwood Dick. I'm experiencing so many feelings right yes, now. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a comedy Western, and I think... I've never seen it, but I feel like I'm looking at the of cover right now. With Ernie Hudson. I know. I feel like I remember seeing this, or I at least remember when it came out. It was 96. We have to watch it. We have to watch And it's with Sinbad. Yeah. Here's a description. A child's parents are killed by a vicious land grabber, but years later, the child grows into a man ready for revenge. Intrigue. Intrigue. So I think we're going to have to watch that. It's well, going to be, be a must. Up. Yeah. Sign me up so for, so for some movie night. Yeehaw. Cardamon Dua pops up in some like, in reference at least, in some media according to, I mean, you can't get, you can't look at a Wikipedia article for someone in history and not see like references. some movie and references. Yeah. But I don't, there wasn't anything that I recognized, not to yeah. be like, not to belittle her filmography. You know, that just means we need to make a great Cardamon Dua film. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can find like, yeah, Cardamon Dua popped up more in books, it seems. I'm looking at it now. She's mentioned in the I, Claudius TV miniseries. Ooh, interesting. Other than that, it's a lot of books. That's, uh, you know what, Nat? That's, that's pretty cowboy. I'm going to get this going. I'm going to get this started. How cowboy is it? <laughs> actually, when, when I first saw that, my sister actually sent me the the Instagram of all the cowboys going through Compton and everything. And the picture that said, uh, racism ain't cowboy. And for like a week, we went real hard on just saying what was and wasn't cowboy. And then it kind of died off because it was a while ago. And now I'm, I'm just realizing how much fun it is to just bring it back. Say that things are cowboy. Or you know what? That that's that ain't cowboy. That ain't cowboy. <laughs> it ain't. <laughs> hey, I believe in this. I believe in you. I believe in history. Yes. What beautiful little I love that we both did a person. Yeah. I feel like it's been a minute since we both have have done an individual human in the same episode. Right. We went to first century Celts. Mm. We went to eighteen hundreds is it 19th 19th century century. america murka murka 
we 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 covered a lot of ground literally and figuratively and so did both of our topics yes all of all of the roman empire and all of the american empire well i also i just meant how large her like her tribe territory was Mm, yes yes i love us (laughs) if you guys want to see a bunch of um we'll post some pictures we'll post that that saucy badass picture of of nat love for show Mm. um we'll probably post a picture of gregory hines because when wouldn't we why natalie sent me natalie right before we started recording sent me a video of irish step dancing and she goes Mm -hmm. this isn't tap but she knew i'd love it and spoiler alert i did it helped that it was like two really contemporary music contemporary irish step dancers uh they were also attractive but Mm. also like they were irish step dancing to was that the alphabet rap i couldn't hear what it was because they were tapping so damn loud i know well because they were hitting the rhythm yeah any hoosies you can find pictures of gregory hines and other people and places (laughs) on our instagrams and our uh our twitter that's at shared pod and if you have any questions, corrections, or suggestions for future topics, y'all, please email us and give us suggestions. You can do that to our internet email address, sharedhistorypodcast at gmail.com. I know words. I know we words. We got it. <laughs> I'll also take this moment to say, we've said it, we've mentioned it before, I know, but we have a bunch of stickers and buttons that we stocked up on when we had some live shows planned for this past summer so now we are sending them in the mails support the usps we're sending them in the mail to folks who give us a review on the apple podcast so if you leave us a review on the apple podcasts I like how I'm going to keep saying that like it's a plural thing. Or if you give us a review on Stitcher, we will accept that as well. Fun fact, if you owned an iPod ever, your iTunes account still works. So if you listen to your podcasts on an Android, I get you. I have a Google phone, but I had an iTunes account. 2000, early 2000s, Natalie had an iTunes account. And that shit still works. So leave us a a review on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps other people find the podcast. It's truly and honestly the best way to support your favorite podcast is to leave them a review. Mm -hmm. If you leave us a review and you screen cap your review and reach out to us either uh, at SharedPod, DM us on Instagram or Twitter, or SharedHistoryPodcast at gmail.com. We will get back to you and we will send you a sticker or a button, which and if we have le- any left. So I ho- I would love to run out of our stickers and buttons and have to go buy more because we had so many wonderful reviews. Also, you can have a Stitcher account for free, so... And you can review even if you don't have a paid, if you don't have Stitcher Premium. These are things I've learned because I listen to a lot of <laughs> podcasts. And I want to tell them that I love them all. So I log in to my You have many podcast friends school. now. I a do. Of, a lot of internet crushes. But I also just like have a lot, many podcasts that I don't know the people, but I think that I do because I listen to them talk in my ears a lot. That's the beauty of podcasts. Like we feel mm-hmm. like friends. We are friends. We're friends with all of you listeners. Yes, except Natalie and I are enemies. We're sworn enemies. We love you. We hate each other. 
because we are evil clones not the same person but we are evil twins yeah. we're each other's evil twins we're both the evil twin there's no good it twin works. we destroyed Trust it long us. before yeah we destroyed it like the romans destroyed <laughs> the celtic tribes and like capitalism destroyed the west did i do it yeah we, we it. that's how we're ended on good notes right yay mm-hmm. destruction destruction um <laughs> Not on destruction. We strongly recommend you look into and give some monies if you are able to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Until next time, share, share you later. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.